Hi, welcome back to Paul's Book Review. Today we're going to go over Thursday, Friday, and then a final segment where we're going to see Quinn and Rashad join up for the final and most impactful moments of the book, to be fair. So now, let's go over into our recap because we have a long segment this week. Alright, so on Thursday in Quinn's section, Quinn starts to feel relieved about his own thoughts. However, he believes in something that is now bigger than himself, as in the racial violence issue. The next day at school on Thursday, he wears a shirt that says, I'm marching, are you on it, as a sign that he's supporting the protest. The shirt begins to have mixed reactions, both positive and negative, with the student. And the basketball team in general has a negative reaction because their, tol- or their coach told them not to get involved with this whole incident because it might take away focus from their practice. Quinn is still pro-March, and the players aren't going to stop him. However, there is one player. You know, Dezo. The school begins to show support during class by centering curriculum around police violence in America. His Specifically, his math teacher shows him some stats that the numbers just don't lie. It adds up that black people aren't more are a victim of police violence. Guzzo, during the day, is avoiding Quinn all day and refuses to make contact with him at all, even in practice. And then they have, during practice, a couple physical altercations during practice, like where they wrestle in midcourt, and then they hit each other with elbows and accidentally, I'm holding up air quotes because this isn't a video podcast. Quinn changes back into his shirt, and the coach has a very disdained conversation because he doesn't need him to get involved with any of this because it might take focus away from their very important basketball team. After leaving the locker room, Guzzo's waiting outside and punches him right in the face. He enters the bathroom and kind of covers up his bloody nose, but he knows that this isn't going to go over well specifically with Guzzo. When he returns home, Quinn's mom is freaking out about the shirt and the mark on his face and Quinn talked to Guzzo's mom and she has forbade him from going to the protest however we all know this wouldn't be a story without him going to the protest alright so now moving on to Thursday with Rashad Wednesday night late in the night a lawyer is brought into his hospital room where he explains what happened to her at the incident And then he also says that the Katie lady from previous sections will be willing to testify on his behalf in court. And then the lawyer's confident that this will be an open and closed case. Very easy. Get your money, get your settlement, get your charge, in and out. And then Rashad, during the morning of Thursday, is told that he is finally able to go home. On the way home, he texts his friend English who responds with the school is tense and everybody has taken sides, which is very evident, as you could see in Quinn's part, where there's about half, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't say 50-50, but 75-25, pro versus anti. Rashad, on his phone, looks up the hashtag surrounding his incident and sees many thousands of new posts, and one of which, which is very open is Quinn in his t-shirt with that says I'm marching are you 
Jessica invites over his friends and they explain the full situation about the march and all this stuff that's happening at school at night. And now we're going to move into Friday. This is the falling action of the story. We already had the climax before. Quinn begins with calling the police about to make a statement about the incident and is denied by the officers saying that they already have lots of claims. At school, he sees the police officers in military gear and an enormous black vehicle outside, which I'm assuming is a Jeep, a Hummer, or a tank. I don't, it's not very specific, I guess, but that's what I think it is. He becomes very frightened at the sight of this because he thinks the protest could maybe get out of hand. And then other students start chants and insults at the officers talking about like a police state, like Nazi Germany. Well, clearly not like Nazi Germany, but they don't know better than in high school. And then the other, Quinn starts talking with Jill and she's determined to be on the right side of history despite what her family might think. And then Quinn also agrees and says he's going to the march as well, which would deny his mother's wishes. Quinn's, Quinn skips practice after school and he be, because he believes violence is silence. So after school, he joins the march dressed in all black. He Quinn is filming the march and the other protesters and the police officers around. And Jill thinks that she can see Rashad and Quinn at the front of the crowd. So Quinn starts to arch over and look at him. The die-in riots, for those who you don't know, they all bend down and pretend to be dead, begin as they start chanting out and recite the names of other people and victims of police violence. And Quinn thinks about him forgetting racial violence after this all kind of, you know, blows over. And after this, he the thought is lost because he knows Rashad lives and he's always going to keep that with him. So now Friday for Rashad. Rashad in the morning is feeling very sick with nerves before the protest. Rashad and Jessica watch the news in their house and they see the military-esque police. Rashad and his family dress in all black except for his dad to prepare for the protest. Rashad the, removes the bandage on his face to reveal the mark and bump left on his face by Paul which I believe is a broken nose because when you break your nose it it changes when you break it back there's a little indent or a mark there it's usually purple to mark and this shows like the permanent effects of what happened to him Rashad goes to the protest where he sees lots of kids from a lot of groups football basketball teachers the pastor John people from the hospital a lot of different people unknown people that he doesn't know and it's filled Rashad is linking arms with his family and his friends in the front of the protest, and he becomes very, very emotional when he sees his dad, who left early in the morning, come join the march. His dad is very conservative, so he's generally against this. His background is military, so he's normally against this type of stuff. And the dying protests begin again when they yell at victim's name with absent again behind it. And Rashad weeps at the sound of this. He becomes very emotional when he hears the dying protest with Absent again behind it. So Friday with Rashad and Quinn, this is where the story finally links up. It gets kind of complicated, but essentially Rashad's, Rashad and Quinn catch each other's eyes during the protest. So it goes back and forth between their thought 
and this is uh, a very emotional time, but also shows closure for the story, because now they both know what happened. They both can link up and know that they're making a change. And Rashad feels a multitude of emotions. However, the story ends that he is connected to all black people and determined to fight because he is Rashad Butler and present today. So, yeah, overall, story, great ending, honestly. I mean, I couldn't have asked for much better. I thought it was just going to end with, you know, something crazy, but it always showed closure here. I like that in the story. So now, let's move over into our discussion segment, let's say. So, what we're going to be answering is, to what extent do trauma, tragedy, and adversity build resilience? So, it's going to be, we got to break this question down first. To what extent, you got to measure this out, right? Like, a little adversity is not going to build anything. One sheet of homework is not going to build resilience. You, you're just going to do it. However, you getting the crap beaten out of you by a police officer, making it back, you know, starting a march, that's going to show some resilience. To what extent, I think it needs to be major enough to be life-changing. Your mind needs to change, or your body needs to change. There needs to be some physiological response that happens to build resilience. So now, we're going to look at both characters building resilience in here. We see this with Quinn. He becomes emotionally scarred from the incident. But at the end, he becomes kind of calmer because he knows that the results are always good. And he's going to see that through to the end. And then with Rashad, we see him also build closure because he knows he can affect the outcome of other people. This is building their resilience both. They're both ready to change something about what happened to them to make a better future for someone else. I mean, this happened to me. My dad had a heart attack. I changed my life up. I'm pretty scared, man. I'm going to become a heart surgeon because of it. And that's what I want to say. To what extent do trauma, tragedy, adversity build resilience? It needs to be physiological. Your mind or your body needs to be changed. Alright. So now to conclude. I'm sorry guys. Final episode of the podcast. We know we kicked it off strong. Book ended great. We love to see it. And this is one final time. Thank you for listening to PBR with Paul Adams.